I sell wine that are natural wine, minimal intervention, no chemical in the vineyard and a tiny little bit of sulfite at bottling. And I'm wondering if I can use that recipe into photography, minimal intervention. I go out, I take my camera, I take a picture and I try not to change it too much because then it would be almost changing the moment. Hello, my name is Eline Perez, and you're listening to Are You an Artist? The very first episode. And today is a conversation with Christophe Le Chevalier. We talked about wine, photography, but also being like Mermite, you like it or you hate it. I'm doing my best for the sound quality, but keep in mind that we are recording in a flat in London. Anyway, Christophe has a lot to share, so here we go. Make a cup of tea and enjoy. And don't forget to go and visit him at his wine bar, Le Chevalier, in London, if you enjoyed the conversation. Let's go! Ouais, ouais, je pense qu'on est bien. Uh, great, so I'm going to switch to English now. And yes, I think we're going to go. Okay. Hi. Hi. <laughs> um, yeah. Hi, Christophe, and welcome to this very first episode. Um, I'm going to start each episode by reading out a letter I've written to my guest. Um, to, yeah, so I'm going to do that now. Dear Christophe, I decided to create this podcast five months ago, and I knew I had to invite you before leaving my flat. We are still neighbors for three days, and here we are. You are my very first guest. While living on Tarbridge Road, I must admit that your wine bar was the only place I have been to on my own. The good wine was one reason, but what I really enjoyed was our conversations. You had so many stories to share, and I discovered that you were passionate about wine, but also about music, photography design, football, and your curiosity was always very contagious. Even when you described, I remember once, the, the physicality of football, for example, which is a sport I'm not crazy about. I, <laughs> I kind of, yeah, I kind of wanted to learn about it. So I realized that you were super creative in everything you did. And this is why you are here. And this is why I'm going to ask the first and huge question of the podcast, which will be the title also. Are you an artist? <laughs> Hello. <clears throat> well, thank you for having me here. Um, that's very kind of you. It's a nice letter. Uh, am I an artist? I have no idea. Um, I think at one point in my life I wanted to be and I um, kind of didn't happen. Uh, I felt like I, at the time, uh, didn't have the intellect required Ooh. to be able to conceptualize anything that would have to be coherent enough to present to the world. Ooh. So I decided that it wasn't going to be uh, either a profession or, or anything. So I guess I stopped. And what were you doing then? Uh, well, I did study. I did um, a term in art school. I have a um, uh, the typical kind of English um, access course into uh, fine arts and so on. Mm. Um, and I stopped because it's just, um, there's many things. I didn't have the intellect. I didn't have the, uh, the brains for it. And it's the fine art field is very much about philosophy. Oh. It's certainly the theory part of it. And um, I had not been trained for that. And um, I thought at the time that I had nothing to say. So why am I going to pollute an area? <laughs> if you've got nothing to say, just shut up and do something else. <laughs> right? So <laughs> that's what it is, right? But if you've got nothing to say, just move on. Yeah, I feel right? like when I, we are young, though, we don't have that much to say, of course. Like, 
I don't know. I mean, at the time, it wasn't so much about social media when everybody is saying so many things without really <laughs> saying much. But I felt like I couldn't contribute. Mm. So if you can't, just don't bother. Do mm. something else mm. uh, to put into that area. Mm -hmm. But it was a very functional course. Yeah. Um, surrounded by younger people and I was a little bit older than them so I was pretty isolated uh, in that course which was fine I can deal with that and then um, I did well with it and then leaving that stage uh, finishing the degree I, I realized that I wasn't going to be able to make a living out of it mm -hmm. it's super complicated mm -hmm. you can't really work on your own so uh, I moved on. So the, the the whole all areas where I, I'm very creative when it comes to what I can be. That is um, creative in, in these kind of contexts. But to make a living out of it, it's a very different story. Yeah, I don't think I'm capable of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. But I can see that in the way also you organize the the wine bar, like it's. The wine bar is very much a, um, it's the journey that took me there. Mm -hmm. So everything that I've done That's great. is what you see there. Yeah. But um, so in a sense, it's good because I saved money not having to hire a designer <laughs> sure. or having to argue with one. <laughs> right. Um and I had you, you build the sense as to what's possible, what's not. Mm -hmm. Very often you find people have wonderful ideas, but uh, on, on, in their head. Uh, in reality, they're not always um, yeah, yeah. doable, especially uh, artists sometimes. Mm -hmm. They have ideas about what an artwork would be. They ask a technician how to do it. It's just that it's not possible yeah. because it's about structure very often. Yeah. Um, was design is about structure really mm. um was certainly furniture design or interior design mm. so the the bar is the accumulation of all different interests mm -hmm. uh at that moment mm -hmm. so really that's not complicated mm. and so if you go like back 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 to your little child like do you have a first creative memory like the the, the first thing you created something I was very good at breaking things apart. Oh. Yeah. Um, I would tell, I would just dismantle everything. Because oh. I was always curious as to trying to figure out how they were made. But in the emergency of taking everything apart, I never managed to put them back together. <laughs> Is it like toys or? <laughs> no, well, yeah, I guess so. Toys, bicycles. Oh, wow. Televisions. Oh, wow. Anything I could put my hand on, I would just discontract, just put it apart. And very often they are designed in the way that you can't really put them back together. Oh. Uh, very often you find that some objects uh, are like that. Wow. But um, I think it was about the, um, I don't know, some kind of a, a fraud exercise of Freud. I don't believe in Freud. Fuck that. Um, uh, psychologists um, uh, deconstruction of a of an object, yeah. trying to see what's at the core of it. Uh -huh. Wow! But that's it. Never be able to put everything back together. Now I can. Okay, that's good. I'm a little bit more careful when I take things apart. <laughs> so I'm good at repairing stuff. But at the time, no, I didn't care. It wasn't the issue. The issue was just to dismantle, break it open and see what was going on, how it works. Okay. And do you remember what you wanted to do as a kid? No. No? No, I had no idea. I'm dyslexic, so I lived in my own world. Okay. So, um, no, there was never had a plan. Mm -hmm. And my parents, are part of that generation, would didn't have a plan either. Um, it's oh. that gen kind of after the war generation. But yeah, so they didn't have a plan for you? No. Okay. No, 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 at all. No expectations oh, whatsoever. Wow. So it leaves the, the, the gap pretty open. Yeah. But um, no, because it, uh, I think it's that generation where there was plenty enough 
terms of work mm. to find something that would work for you or to find something. Okay. Right? Yeah. Um, so no matter what you do, it would work out. Mm -hmm. That's the, I think that's the 50s. Mm -hmm. uh, certainly in Europe. I mean, I, certainly for my parents, I've had... I know of other people, their generation, it would have worked this way. So writing a CV wasn't part of their life. Oh, wow. You don't. You apply for a job. You're very likely to keep that job for the rest of your life. Yeah. Right? Um, or maybe make one or two changes. Mm -hmm. But that's it. Um, so I don't think, because they were not thinking that way, they were not... Um, projecting that onto any of us mm -hmm. they kind of assumed that would work for the post office or something like that <laughs> which is what my brother did ultimately oh. yeah but um yeah it didn't work out for me I, I, I was very much in my own world so no matter what they said it didn't really stick <laughs> <laughs> and how how long have you been working with wine quite a bit of time you know um, that's about 12 years now. Okay. I started on, uh, on Borough Market some years ago. Then I stopped. I went into uh, teaching for five years, uh, design technology Ooh. and food technology. And, um, and then I started again on Borough Market. Mind you, actually, what I was teaching had a part-time job on Borrow because teaching wasn't paying well enough. Mm -hmm. Certainly not at the beginning. So I always had two two things going on. Okay. Uh, so even when I was teaching, I was selling wine. Okay. Borrow Market is a funny place to... Uh, it's, it's about salesmanship. It's about kind of how to engage with people. It is about wine in the context of selling wine. Yeah. But the bulk of it is about how to approach wine to um, to people you've never seen before, you would never see again, mm -hmm. and they change every five minutes. Mm -hmm. So intense, every yeah. five, yeah, every five minutes is a new brief. Yeah, every five minutes is a new set of expectations that mm -hmm. you have to address. <clears throat> um, a Japanese person could walk in and the way they're going to describe wine is going to be of a certain way. And then next next is somebody wants to make a present. And then next is because it's, a, a, I don't know, a very specific recipe you need to sell the wine yeah. to. So it's really a high tempo and you have to think on your feet all the time. Mm -hmm. um, so that's quite exciting. Yeah. And so what do you like most about your job? Is it this, like relationship to the client and just it goes in many ways i'd say people really because i mean wine that's the basics if you don't like wine it's not the right place is it um customers yes um trying to convey an idea to them as to what wine can be mm-hmm uh, potentially giving the confidence to be able to encounter the world of wine in their own terms without having to feel intimidated mm -hmm. because it's a big intimidating world wine. Yeah. Um, make a sound, hmm. conclude something, mm -hmm. but make a sound that is genuine and makes sense to both parties. In other words, I need the money for the business and they need the wine. But it's not about selling wine they don't want. Of course. Or they don't need. It's about trying to pitch at the right level. Mm -hmm. And in terms of the business, about helping staff to develop themselves within the context of the business so that they can grow somewhere else. Mm. or grow within the company but leave at one point because they are not going to stay forever mm -hmm. but develop their own um, their own confidence or maybe sometimes their own business I've had people creating their own business after they left mm. so it's people and wine I guess yeah and money <laughs> that's to be <laughs> yeah of course yeah and what what makes a wine good people 
people. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> people would make them and people would drink them. I've had supposedly amazing wines in boring companies. And it's, it's all right. And then you have an average bottle with the best company and then it's the best wine you ever tried because you're in the right mindset. Oh. So very often you find that it's in a dialogue between that bottle and people. If there's nobody to drink it, how can we know it's good? After that, we can look at the technicalities of it. But it's, uh, it's I don't know, it's, I don't know how, how long that conversation would take. Mm-hmm. I don't know if anybody can agree on that, but one thing that everybody would agree on is that it's what makes a good wine. It's yourself and people around you. Yeah. Really. All the people who make it as well. It's it, it, it's a people thing. It's a social thing. And so, like, how do you feel when you're creating something new? For example, when you decided to create your wine bar, What's the feeling that's driving it? Well, the feeling of, well, the desire to work for myself was not to work for somebody else anymore. Right? Because you get fed up sometimes. I have the People, same feeling. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> and sometimes there's just also opportunities that present themselves. So you just take it and see where it takes you. Um, when I started the business, the, the, the kind of most memorable feeling was that of excitement, of course. Um, the unknown is actually quite, yeah, it's exciting. Going to something, you have no idea what's going to happen. And exhaustion. Exhaustion? Yeah, the first year I was working 85 hours a week. Wow. For one year. Wow. So it is taxing. It's extremely uh, tiring. Yeah, it's draining, right? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Emotionally, physically, intellectually. And then I had to rebuild myself after that. Wow. Physically, yeah, yeah. I had to go for a physio. Uh, it just took me weeks on end to f- start to begin to feel human after that. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> The first time I had a day off on a Monday, uh, I decided to close the shop on Monday. It took me about 10 weeks for not lying in bed and sleeping all day. Oh, man. And to start to realize that I could do something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, setting a business like this hits your life, mm-hmm. really. It takes a lot of you. Um, so excitement, uh, tiredness. Um, yeah, excitement. It's very exciting. It's less so now because it has become uh, something more of a regularity. So I need to always try to find some level of excitement. Okay. Um, so adding the music is interesting. Putting more music in. Um, trying to add to the business itself, but it's uh, it's a journey. Mm-hmm. And how do how do ideas come to you? Is it from that feeling of when it's kind of settled and then you have the need to create something or add something? Or mm, I never thought about this. Um, I mean, <clears throat> creating a wine bar or Designing a shell for one bar is purely out of function and sometimes laziness. So an idea on how to build a particular shell is just purely functional. It's nothing creative. I mean, it's nothing. Yeah, it is creative, but it's nothing. It's nothing extraordinary. It's not going to change lives, and it's not going to change the world. It may change my day. <laughs> right, because you make it functional so that you save energy. Uh, that's it. There's no, there's no more to that. Uh, furnitures are very functional. Yeah, furniture. Right, but like, um, I, photography is different in a way that it's um, it's trying to be open-minded enough to catch something. Um, 
to conquer your fears. Taking pe pictures of people when you're two meters away, it's quite, uh, it's quite a frightening thing for both. Yeah. The person behind the camera and the person being taken picture of, or you, that person realizes that's what's happening. I never thought about that, yeah. Um, yeah, it's about getting into that space. It's pretty weird. Um, so photography is very much about teaching myself how to not having full control of what's going to happen and letting certain things come to me or be bold to observe certain things. Having a wine bar, um, I'm a control freak. I have to constantly act at it. I have to constantly have to make decisions as to what's going to happen next. And it's also hospitality. That's just the way it works. Um, constantly having to reassess ourselves. So uh, there's no creativity much. Oh, that's interesting because I don't know when I look at it, like also the way you associate like a wine with some food, the way you, I don't know, for me it felt like a, quite a creative place. Yeah, but you, <clears throat> you make the decisions maybe once. Yeah, true. After that, you spend a lot of time explaining what the decision is, <laughs> right? Yeah. But you don't change the, uh, the, the, the kind of systems every five minutes. You're not in a constant change of flux. Yeah. So a piece of cheese and a piece of wine, you know more or less what's it's going to work. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes you venture outside of that, you try, try and error. Mm -hmm. It works, it doesn't work. Oh, I like it. Mm, no, no, I'm not quite sure. And then, uh, then you present it to the world and it's set for a certain period of time. What you see is the, the end of it, but it's not creative every day. It's yeah. the same that I don't think a photographer is creative every day. Yeah. 50% of a professional photographer would be business. But I feel like everything is like that. Even artists at some point, they have to sell themselves or yeah. they have to, yeah. Picasso was very good, apparently. He used to uh, play a trick with his uh, agent, if it's an agent. I don't know if it's the right word, but he used to um, um, show a little drawing or something and then put it somewhere. And then three months later, the... Um, the person he had shown the drawing to would say, well, what is it drawing you did show me last time? And Picasso would go, oh, I can't remember. Oh, maybe I've painted over the top of it. Oh, did I give it to somebody? <laughs> and then three months later, he would say, oh, I, f I found it. Oh. And that was it. That duration. was the catch. Yeah. So it's business. Yeah. No matter how you uh, you want to look at it, I think it's about balance between business and and, and these moments. And so sometimes you look at artists or or musicians or maybe photographers, I don't know, and you see that they have a, a very great kind of strong creative period at the beginning, and after that, very often it's um, it stops. Mm. So it's about reinterpreting this kind of moment of creativity. I don't think many artists actually are creative all around their career. No, I don't think so as well. No? no. Maybe Picasso. And maybe you can look at it in terms of volume of production. Yeah. Like Miles Davis, Sunra. I don't know if you heard about Sunra. Sunra is yeah. uh, it's just a jazz artist. Nobody can agree onto his discography. Like how many albums he has produced. Oh, okay, because he's produced so many? Or? Yeah, yeah. Everything that he recorded live would have been recorded. Wow. And nobody has agreed on the exact number. No, not only that, every now and then a tape resurfaces and being published or being, being released to the public. Mm -hmm. And uh, collectors go completely mad. <laughs> That's so right? funny. <laughs> yeah. So that is, you know, these guys are uh, the real creatives because they just... Uh, they do it constantly. Mm -hmm. But I don't think many people are mm -hmm. creative constantly. I don't think yeah. it's possible. Yeah. And so, for example, when you take a picture, what's your favorite part of it? Is it uh, 
when you're getting ready for it? Is it just a moment where you take the picture? Or um, I guess the favorite moment is to look at it later. Mm. Um, it's almost like the anticipation of it. Um, it's all about processes, and I'm teaching myself these processes as as I go along. It's no, it's fairly new to me. Mm-hmm. So I think that they're not, it's not just one moment. It's just a series of moments. It's getting up in the morning, looking outside. Is it sunny? Yes. Right, that's it. Yeah. Okay, that's the moment I need to go. So that's one part, that's moment of excitement, getting ready and then getting out and then getting to a spot and then um, uh, trying to observe what's going on, trying to find an angle and then taking the pictures, um, not looking at the pictures while you're taking them, just forget about it, just take, mm. and then going home and looking at them. Mm. So it's not just one moment, it's just a series yeah, of different yeah. moments. Uh, yeah, And I'm trying to identify how I operate within this moment mm-hmm. and what makes me tick. Mm-hmm. So I can understand myself better through these particular processes. That's beautiful. Yeah, because I think if you do understand yourself throughout all of these processes, then you they become second nature. Yeah. You don't need to think about it so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you liberate the the space for these moments to happen. Yeah, yeah. And you're if in you're the flow. too preoccupied about how you feel, well. Yeah, it's a good thing to be preoccupied about how you feel, right? <laughs> but uh, mind you, it could be just the main drive, right? Yeah. Maybe the end picture doesn't matter at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember his name. There was a photographer when he passed away. They they found thousands of negatives. He wasn't interested. They actually, didn't find the negative. They found the uh, the films in their cassettes. Mm-hmm. He never opened them. He never Ooh. did anything with them. Oh, wow. Um, towards the end of his career. The only thing he was interested in was the process, to get the picture. And the picture didn't matter. Mm-hmm. Didn't care. So his process was the process, and that's it. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know, I'm trying to work it out. All right. And so when, because then you can edit the picture afterwards, and when do you feel like this is like finished, like you're going to stop working on that picture? Or... I don't try, I try not to work on them. Okay. Or a little bit. Okay. No, minimum stuff, really. I, uh, I, uh, I don't know, a, a little a little glint of light in the eye of a, a person or something that's just attract the eye mm-hmm. that could be beneficial of the picture if it's not there. So it's about removing little bits and pieces but not too much. But not too much. Yeah. So, A, because I don't have the time. You, no, I don't. Of course. And I uh, uh, I don't have the technical abilities to do it. I'm learning to how to do it a little bit with software. Everything is possible. But um, uh, I'm not very good at it. Yeah. And... Um, I don't really want to. There's this temptation. You see it on Instagram, people posting pictures that are overdone, mm. overworked, overdeveloped. That's what it is. And um, sometimes it's necessary. Sometimes it becomes a genre. Mm-hmm. right? And very often I think it's just, uh, it's not really interesting. I sell wine that are natural wine, minimal intervention, no chemical in the vineyard and a tiny little bit of sulfite at bottling. And I'm wondering if I can use that recipe into photography, minimal intervention. I go out, I take my camera, I take a picture and I try not to change it too much because then it would be almost changing the moment. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I should work on my pictures and manipulate. Photography is not about truth. It isn't. But I don't know, maybe I'm trying to work out my relationship to it. So at the moment, I'm minimal intervention. Yeah, I feel quite attracted to all the work that's a bit like this as well. Mm. It's just very raw as Mm -hmm. much as possible. 
Um, is there something you created that you're really proud of, whatever it is in your life? Hmm. I have a thought about this. Um, not yet. <laughs> Any plan? <laughs> I don't know. It keeps me going. <laughs> That's good. Um, right. So what do you feel is your strength in life? My strength? Fuck. Um, I think I'm genuine in how I approach things. Hmm. Even if it doesn't always arrive at the conclusion, my strength is I'm genuine into, uh, I'm, I'm an open book. I'm quite forward and genuine. If I, if I don't like it, I'll say it. Yeah, yeah. That's rare. I don't know. I, I have no idea if it's rare or not. It's, I guess that's, I'm, maybe I'm too honest sometimes. Mm-hmm. And what would you like to be better at? Concluding things. <laughs> <laughs> Finishing things, right? Or put them back together. <laughs> Anything that scares you? Death. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> I remember this guy when I was a kid. So I'm not scared of death, you know, kind of an older man. Oh, I'm not scared of death. And it's just uh, I never really truly believed it. <laughs> uh, I think he was trying to convince himself that it was going to be okay more than anything else. Yeah. Fucking petrifies me. Yeah. Death itself, you know, once it's done, it's done. I'm gone, I'm gone. I have no idea. It's fine. I think it's the pain mm. of everything shutting down because apparently it's very painful. That's why they put you on so many drugs when you're dying like this. It's just every organ that shuts down makes it more painful so I don't like pain like anybody else so that scares me mm -hmm. enormously uh, and because I'm 55 and I know that uh, that's it I'm not 25 anymore I didn't think about these things before uh, at one point it will happen so it's more present in my mind than it was before I'm trying to find a space when I I'm okay with it but uh, I think it will take a while my grandmother once years ago um, I called her for her birthday and uh, she said to me, I've made a deal with it. And I said, what are you talking about? And I said, I've made a deal with death. Oh. I know this is going to happen. I'm okay with it. So I know that at one point, as a person, one comes to the conclusion that it's inevitable and you stop tormenting yourself for it. Mm -hmm. But I'm not at that stage yet. Yeah. <laughs> me neither <laughs> what is your strongest desire in life not to suffer I guess <laughs> not too much um, I don't know I mean I um, <clears throat> to go through it without being too uh, too damaged by it I guess mm -hmm. trying to navigate it the best way possible I think that's it, really. I mean, it's, I don't desire materialistic things. I don't care about that too much. Mm -hmm. It's about the, uh, the stories. It's about the, um, the human elements. It's about the people you meet and the, the human adventure of it. That's more important than the desire for material. It's, it's to some degree quite irrelevant. Mm -hmm. it, comfort is nice, but you can convince yourself that um, little is comfortable, mm -hmm. I think. Yeah, I think so. Right, it doesn't have to be grandiose. Yeah. But we, it's a constant change challenge because everything around us is, is a constant reminder that success is based on these material things. Especially in London, I find... It's a liberal economy, so yes. Um, I think it's everywhere, mm. maybe to some various degrees, but um, that's true, probably. Uh, yeah, it's capitalist society. That's how, that's how they function. Yeah. But um, yeah, uh, desire to to be content, 
not too greedy, to go through without suffering too much and not being a pain in the arse to the others. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> Trying, not always working that. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to be liked or approved? And if so, by whom? Well, you always, have, I mean, yes. I mean, you have to be a complete monster not to want to be liked. But it's not cool to say, oh, you know, I want to be loved. <laughs> okay, because it talks about deep insecurities. I think everything we do is driven by some sort of love or approval or recognition. It's just what happens to you when it's not there. I think that's the... Uh, That's what makes us who we are. If we, how do we react when it's not there? And do we panic or we just like, okay, it's fine. I'm fine when it's not happening. What I've learned with the business is that I can't please everybody. It's, it's just impossible. And um, it didn't take me long to work that one out. So it did take long? No, 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 no. Oh, you, you realized that very quickly. quickly in this kind of business. Mm -hmm. uh, having a shop, having a bar, you kind of, you're constantly... Um, having to position yourself in relationship to what people expect of you and want from you. Mm -hmm. So you have to develop that, that kind of uh, safe place, yeah. if it's a word, uh, where you kind of go, sometimes it will work, sometimes it, it will not. So mm -hmm. I'm fine if people don't like me. It's okay. Yeah. Actually, as a matter of fact, when I was teaching, the kids used to call me Marmite. Oh, because it's you like it or you don't. It's one of those Marmites. Ah, you you yeah. hate it or you don't, or you I love it. it or you hate it. Do you like it? Marmite, I love it, yeah. You love it? I love Marmite, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> What is wrong with oh, you? Nothing, I'm toast. It's wonderful. It's umami. Maybe I should try again. It's pure umami. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, it's beautiful. But, um, so I take no prisoners. And uh, I'm very, um, I can be quite brash mm. when it's necessary. Because I don't want to have to deal with people's bullshit. Um, no, seriously, it's too much. Yeah. Right, I don't want to do it. I had enough of that. Um, so do I want to be loved? Yes. Is it necessary? No. Or I want to be loved by the right people. Yeah. Yeah. Right. The others, right, they don't have to. Mm. And who inspires you? I don't know, if, it's not so much who as such, it's uh, it's more the moments and who is in that moment. I don't have heroes as such. Maybe it's maybe it's a bit, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's a bit cocky of me not to have heroes. I don't think they do exist as such. Or they are often disappointing or yeah. they are idealized and they are human. Yeah. Right? I remember having a discussion years ago with somebody that said, oh, Gandhi is my hero. I said, probably Gandhi was a sexy bastard who actually slept with 16 years old. Yeah. It's very likely. Yeah, And is. I think it was, actually. Mm. Um, I'm not 100% sure, but uh, it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Right? Um, especially now that we know things very differently. Well, he certainly wrote a letter to Adolf Hitler, I think, at one point in his career. Mm. So, uh, and taking out of context, somebody can be a, a very good person and then a complete bastard at the same time. And uh, I know I can be. Yeah. Right? That's who I am. Yeah. I can be both and I'm, I'm comfortable with that. So, heroes, thank you. Just no thanks. I don't have any. So, they don't inspire me. Maybe some moments of things, but they come, they disappear, they reappear. Uh, what inspires me sometimes is just a piece of music or a moment that you witness or something that you take part of. You go home, you carry a little bit of that with you and consciously, consciously touches you, it inspires you, you carry it with you, uh, you pass it on. I think this is more fragmented mm -hmm. than just one thing at any given time. Yeah. It's, um, it's usually complicated And uh, if, I don't know, if I had to work it out, I probably have to stop doing so much and go into deep meditation for weeks on end with no resolution to that. 
Do you know? It's just so... Yeah. Everything and nothing mm-hmm. inspires me. It depends on the day. It's very vague, I know. Yeah. Interesting. If you were an animal, what would you be? Hmm. Uh, I don't know. I like cats because they're quite dependent. And it, it suits my personality. I, uh, I come along for a cuddle and then I fuck off somewhere else, hoping that I get another one <laughs> at one point. Right? That's it. So cats are great. Um, giraffes are quite, I'm tall, so maybe a giraffe. They're quite violent, giraffes. Have you seen giraffes fighting against no. one another? It's brutal. Essentially, this the 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 head are very big and solid. This they use their neck to swing the head against one another. Wow! It is pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah, it is very very. Uh, they, they're quite strong. So the, all babies have a giraffe because somehow they're kind of cute. See this plastic giraffe? Yeah, yeah, yeah? I see. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I don't know why every kids have that. Right? I don't know every generation. You've got kids with little giraffes that can make a little sound. They're brutal. <laughs> They're oh, crazy. But they are very elegant. That's true. Um, I'm not a fast person, so I would never be a, uh, uh, a cheetah or anything like this. Yeah. Um, I'm, more, I'm kind of slower because I'm tall. Mm-hmm. So I guess a giraffe or a cat, or maybe if there's something in between, I take it. <laughs> a tall cat. <laughs> a tall cat with a massive neck. Yeah. <laughs> Um, do you have a favorite color? Blue. Blue. Mm-hmm. Light or dark? No, dark. Dark, dark blue. Mm. Um, I don't know. Some people say it's about authority. Uniforms are often in blue. Oh. Uh-huh. Um, I'm kind of sure about color theory. Um, I can't do red. Yeah. I can't wear red. Okay. I look sick. <laughs> Seriously, I look pale. I look I'm about to die. You put a red hat or a red jumper on me, people will say, are you okay? Right. <laughs> so, so funny. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's one of those colors I can't do. <laughs> um, green, orange. Yeah, all of that. I love colors. But blue is something that I turn to instinctively. It's easy. Okay, yeah. Yeah, it makes me look a little bit skinnier than I am. <laughs> <laughs> And it's not black. Yeah. <laughs> um, what makes you happy? A good day. Sun. Sun, yeah. No, a good day. Rain makes me happy. Wind. I love the wind. Mm. Um, if it's just, you know, if we stick to weather. But a, a day when I haven't been stressed and everything unfolded without having any negative feelings. Does it That's happen a good day. often or? What, negative feelings? To have a, a day like this without negative feelings and without... It can happen, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not every day. But um, I'm in contact with people. Mm. So at one point, there's going to be something that I need to digest because people are not always nice, as we know. Yeah. And sometimes my customers are just, no, sometimes they behave like crap. So I have to deal with it. How, how would, yeah. Do you have how? examples? Yeah, how? Rudeness. Okay. Not being polite. Um Yeah, I think usually rudeness and kind of getting across in a way that's just really not respectful of people around them or the shop or it can happen. Doesn't always happen. Yeah. Um, less now, but in the past, maybe sometimes working with a, a member of staff who's just a little bit difficult to deal with mm-hmm. or maybe it's just a clash of personality between them and me. Mm-hmm. It can happen. Yeah. Um, so finding the right uh, people to work with is important, certainly in my case, because we work together quite closely. Yeah. Um, I don't know, news on TV. <laughs> <laughs> How do you fucking deal with this, right? <laughs> so, um, yeah, a day where you can balance things out and, you know, the, the, the kind of the positive element override uh, mm-hmm. anything else is a good day. Um, when you, f- I feel like I've accomplished something that was worth doing. Mm-hmm. 
when I did, didn't delay stuff. I'm very good at delaying stuff because I'm like everybody else. Everything that's difficult to make or yeah. big decisions to take, I push away and then kind of trying to enjoy myself. So sometimes I kick myself to make this hard decision. And then I realized that we're not that hard. It was just all in my head. Yeah, yeah. And then I kind of go, okay, well, that's, that's, that's good. That's a good day. I've achieved that. Mm. Right. So, yeah. I'm not too complicated. I'm not too demanding. Mm -hmm. I'm very good at avoiding things. So when I don't avoid stuff, it's a good day. <laughs> <laughs> And if you could meet yourself when you were like 15 years old, what you, would you tell? When I was 16, in my hometown, there was in Toulon, there was a, and the, I think it was the first or the second book fair Um, where authors, writers would come along. Mm -hmm. And um, there was a famous actor, his name just escapes me, funny enough, uh, Boranger. Mm -hmm. He had just written a book. And I saw, see him, I'm just in the street, and I see him getting towards that. Um, it was under a tent, actually, like a chapiteau, like a circus tent. And I, I recognize him. I'm totally mesmerized. I've seen this guy on, on, on movies, on TV, you know. So I, I go to a shop. I buy a pen and I buy a notebook. And I run after him mm -hmm. to ask him for his autograph. And he looks at me, smiles. He asks my name. And he writes my name. And he writes, Vive ta vie. Mm. Celebrate your own life. That's all he did. He smiled. Give me a, he just gave me a hug, I think, if I remember well. But he said, live your life. Wow. Celebrate your own life. Don't celebrate me. So if I was going to say something to myself, it'd be exactly that, which is what I did Incredible. since I'm 16. Yeah, it's a great story. I love That's it. That's a good time to have someone telling <laughs> yeah, that as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was the right moment. So um, it's, um, that's what I said to myself. Mm. If he had not done it for me, Yeah. I, I will, I will do it wow. to myself. It's nice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And how do you feel like you can learn and grow? Sorry, say that again. How do you learn and grow? Is it by? By tormenting myself into uh, overanalyzing everything that I do. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Mm. I mean, yeah. It's this kind of. Self-criticism without having to destroy your soul mm -hmm. entirely. Yeah, a bit. Okay, <laughs> a little bit by bit <laughs> until you are totally soulless. <laughs> um, yeah, so we're kind of trying to. Uh, it's very easy, actually. Well, it's very easy. No, it's getting easier. And there's certainly one thing is that, and it's usually down to interaction with people, right? If I If I overthink something, if I constantly think about what went wrong with that interaction with that person, yeah. right? It's because somehow uh, I fucked up at one level. Mm -hmm. So if I fucked up at one level, I need to step back and say, okay, well, what am I going to do differently from the from the on on that on that thing? Mm. If with interaction with the person, um, I'm so solidly aware that um, I was in my right and I've done nothing wrong, I stopped thinking about it. Therefore, I had nothing to learn yeah. from it. So I learned from not feeling very good about certain things. Mm -hmm. mm. If that makes any sense. Yeah, it does. And do you have any coming projects for the future? Anything that excites you? Any... Not big terms, no, not long terms. Um, the current situation means that next week is already uh, something uh, a bit of a challenge. Okay. Well, yeah, I guess it is. Uh, the business I have uh, has only known crises mm -hmm. Brexit, COVID, mm. living crisis. So it's a business that's whole existence have known difficulties. 
So it's, it's extremely difficult to project something for next year. You have no idea what next year is going to be like. Yeah. We're yeah. not in this kind of world anymore. If I had that set up the business in the 90s, it would have been a very different story. Things were very different then. It was mm. this kind of sense of optimism that everything was uh, available. It's just it was entirely up to you. The context in which you were was were so favorable for you to grow as a business. Nowadays, it's, it's not like this anymore. So yeah. from a business perspective, it's difficult. I don't know. I don't have any answers. From a personal perspective, because I'm tied to the business, it's just to hope that, the big plan is to hope that everything is going to be okay for at least another two or three years. Mm -hmm. And then we take it from there. Yeah. From a personal perspective, in other words, photography, which I do a lot of at the moment, is I hope mm -hmm. that I've managed to take at least one good picture by next year. Good. <laughs> <laughs> one. That's what I'm asking. <laughs> <laughs> and do you have any recommendation? Any film you've seen recently? Any book? Any podcast? Or, or any wine? Mm. Hmm. Wine, no, because there's so many. I mean, it's just, you know, I change wine constantly. So it's, it's ciders. Drink Ooh. ciders, yes. That's coming up. Uh-huh. And I'm going to have ciders, actually. So ciders, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and cheese. Cider and cheese. There you go. 2024 cider and cheese. Great. Well, <laughs> that will make me want to come back. Yeah. <laughs> traveling. Yeah, absolutely. Um, books, no. Um, uh, podcast. I'm not listening to podcasts much. Mm -hmm. Music, uh, Tidal, I discovered that platform, which I think is great. Tidal? Yeah. Okay. Uh, it, it's um, it's not a playlist organized. It's, um, it's not Mixcloud, although Mixcloud is pretty good. Um, it's, they basically try to get away from the um, compressed format of music. Oh, and right. release music that actually high uh, high quality or uncompressed. Okay. But it's uh, it's a monthly subscription, so I played a lot at the bar. Okay. And um, they have radio, so you select an artist, and some artists have a radio that they actually they they work artist by association to that particular uh, artist. Mm -hmm. So that is a great discovery lately. Mm. But it's the quality of the sound that does it. Mm. It's beautiful. Wow. Mm -hmm. Great. Well, we are coming to the end. So, oh, okay, <laughs> Do you want to kind of direct people to, I don't know, like your the the website of the bar or like how they can find you? Well, it's eighty five Tower Bridge Road, sandwich in between the pie and mash and the fish and chips, Le Chevalier one bar and shop. And you have to come. <laughs> yeah it'd be great <laughs> yeah well thank you so much thank you thank you for having me and yeah that's it that's the end of the first episode thank you <laughs>